Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Come on, give Jesus some praise, everybody. <laughs> oh, we got a little liquid sunshine going on out there and Glad we're warm and dry on the inside. Amen, everybody. Hey, really glad to be here today. It is a joy, and I can't wait to preach God's Word to you a little bit today. And I do love uh, being here. It's always fun to go to places where uh, you're close friends with the pastor. We spend a lot of time hunting and fishing and hanging out. And, and, and in all of it, we're always talking about how to, how to uh, impact people's lives in our church. We love what we do. We love being pastors. And, and, uh, and I'm around a lot of pastors, and I don't say this just because I'm speaking here today. Um, But I think you already know this, but you really truly have some of the finest on the planet in in Pastor Jeff and Brandy. You guys believe that, everybody? Come on, give them a good hand. It won't hurt their feelings. I love you, man. And and it's a reciprocal relationship, so I try to pour into these guys, but also, uh, man, throughout last year, we were praying for each other and just kind of walking through all the things that got handed to us in last year and tried to figure it out together. And I am traveling with my wife for 35 years, everybody. Yeah, awesome. And so I tell everybody, I hung in there. I, I hung in there every day. I just hang in, you know, no. Just, she's actually an angel, you know, so it really is it's a blessing. We have five kids, and I don't have five kids because I like kids because I really don't. I have five kids because I like that woman over there, everybody. Amen. And so <laughs> I wanted two, but anyway, we had five, praise God. And, and so, uh, and now we have grandkids. So we have six grandkids. There, show them a picture. There they are. In fact, that was just last Sunday. That was Mother's Day uh, last week, and and um, and all boys. So we had a daughter. My my regular kids are a daughter and four four boys, and then six grandsons. So it's ten boys in a row. We hadn't seen a girl in thirty two years. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so there's actually one on the way right now. Uh, our seventh is on the way, and it's a granddaughter. So she gets it all. She's having every bit of it. So I'm officially broke. Praise God for that. And uh, it's awesome. Any grandparents in the room? Grandparents, grandparents, where you at? Where you at? Where you at? Yeah, they make noises. And that's because grandkids are better than kids. They are. So if you have kids and you don't have grandkids, let them live. Better ones are coming. Hang in there, all right? So, yeah, that's, that's free. You just enjoy that, right? And so, yeah, and I'm also, one thing he didn't tell you, too, is that um, our church is in Alabama, but I'm a Cajun from South Louisiana. And I say that as a disclaimer, and uh, that you might not learn anything, but we're going to have a good time. Come on, somebody, right? So, yeah, anyway, if you can't have fun from somebody from Louisiana, it's your fault. So anyway, all right? All right, we're going to study God's Word together. I'm very excited. I get to brighten your day today and talk about depression. And uh, yeah, and uh, I know. And so I love humor. I use a lot of humor in our, in our, in our talks, but this is a very serious topic um, that I don't really have a whole lot of personal experience with, but in 1999, I actually went through a horrible bout of depression that I thought was so bad it was, it was actually clinical. And, um, and it's a long story I won't get into, but a lot of things bad happened circumstantially. But honestly, not bad enough for me to get as bad as I got uh, with depression. And it, I needed to go through it, to be honest with you, because before that, when someone would say I'm depressed or, man, I just can't get, I'm in the blues, I'm, a, I'm the type, type person that's like, be happy, man, just choose it. And Boy, I learned a big lesson because it's not that easy. Uh, in fact, when you're depressed, you don't even know how you got there, much less knowing how to get out of it. And uh, so my heart 
uh, grew for people who are battling that in a great way. Really didn't experience it again for many, many years uh, in any way. Uh, but in 2018, there were three pastors in America who committed suicide, kind of made national news. I didn't know any of them, never even met them once. Uh, but it, but it, it impacted me like I knew them personally. And I remember when this third one committed suicide, I was grieved. I was like at a funeral in my spirit. Like, this is not good. And uh, we, had, we were just getting ready to start a message series at our church that we called Reply All, which several times, we do this a lot where we'll ask questions from the congregation, usually at Easter, um, and, and we'll find out, hey, what topics would you like us to address more? Or what are some things you're thinking about? And then we build a whole series around questions the congregation are asking, right? And, and so that, that year, 2018, uh, a lot of the questions are around depression, uh, mental health, anxiety, panic attacks. Um, and so, so I was prepared to do that anyway, and then this all happened with these pastors. So I, I took that week to study depression, which is not even close to amount the time you need to study it, but I brought what I could bring in a week's worth of message, right, or a week's worth of study in that message that week, and it became the most rewatched message times 100. Uh, and I was shocked by it. You know, in 38 years of ministry, I'd never done a message around it. And my, my goodness, it's like this felt need I had been uh, ignoring or not, not, not meeting for the precious people of our church. And so several weeks later, I was uh, preaching at a pastor's conference here in Dallas. There was actually three or 4,000 pastors there. And I decided I was gonna bring the same message, but you know, tailor make it for, for pastors. And then same response. It was, wet, it was incredibly overwhelming and knew it, I'd hit a nerve. So it was in the fall of 2018 that I decided I was gonna write a book on it. I took actually two years to do a lot of secular uh, research from psychiatrists, psychologists. I traveled the nation literally to, to spend time with um, very well-known psychologists, psychiatrists, to find out you know, what, what is the world offering, what, what's available there, uh, what, what, you know, uh, of course, what does God say about it? And of course, I'm a pastor, so I approach things from a spiritual standpoint. I think God has the answer for everything, honestly but I didn't wanna just offer that. I wanted to really bring something very comprehensive to this topic. And then 2020 came. In fact, I was supposed to turn in the manuscript in March of 2020. Everybody remember that month? And yeah, so, so then I'm actually, um, uh, you know, I don't think any of us were off the deep end right away, but it didn't take very long for all of us to wonder how in the world is this gonna end and where is this headed? And then I had one of the most miserable, uh, uh, June 2020 was, hellish uh, in every way. And I won't get into the details, but uh, things personal that no, people still don't know that happened in my family and then things professionally and things publicly, it was just, it was awful. In fact, um, I was, I was, I would, I would never thought about taking my life ever, but, but I, uh, I, I was considering ministry suicide during that month. I was like, I'm done, this is it. I just, I can't do this anymore, I'm done. And it was good that I was actually finishing the book during that time, I wanna give a shout out to your pastor too. I just found out coming on this trip that he just, he told me just this weekend that uh, in June, he'd put a sticky note on the dashboard of his car but with just my name, Chris Hodges, and he prayed for me every single day in the month of June. I wanna thank you for that, sir. You're an amazing friend. You got a great pastor, everybody, you really do. And I think it affected all of us, um, 2020 did. Uh, the numbers are not good. Uh, everything bad is up. 26% increase in divorce. Uh, mental health hotlines went up 900%. Uh, one out of four young people thought about suicide. That's a CDC number. One out of 10 of the rest of us. 
Uh, one out of nine are now on some type of antidepressant medication. It's going up 300% every year. It's not good. Uh, addiction went up 18% in April, 29% in May, 42% in June. So it's bad, okay? It's bad. So it happened to all of us. And in the words of Julia Roberts, um, 2020 was tough on all of us. Isn't that right, everybody? I had to have some humor somewhere. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I had this sense of humor. I just have to laugh every once in a while. I'm so sorry. All right. Take it down. Take it down. Take it down. All right. Okay. <laughs> but but I, uh, I, I wrote this book around the life of, of a prophet named uh, Elijah. And um, so, interesting story. He's arguably one of the greatest prophets of the entire Bible. Uh, you may or may not know this story that Jesus actually had this moment when he was still alive on earth where he transfigured, he got transfigured, meaning he was in his heavenly body, but he was still a human on earth. And Moses and Elijah show up. So we know he's an important figure, like God approved person, right? And of course, he, he's a prominent figure throughout the Bible. Uh, in 1 Kings 18, he has two of the great, pre great stories that are the best preaching material in all of the Bible where you know, he defeats the prophets of Baal, 850 prophets of Baal and Asherah, and God consumes this water-soaked sacrifice that he created, and it was just amazing victory. It's just, it's just great, great preaching material. And next, next uh, paragraph, uh, he prays for a three-year drought to end, then this monsoon comes, and three verses later, he's wanting to commit suicide. And, 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 and he really, he, he did several things that, that fit within the realm of what uh, psychologists and doctors say. There are about nine major causes. Of course, there are a bunch of causes, but most of them fit into nine categories. Uh, Elijah did at least six uh, that got him in a cave of depression. And then, and then if you just study the text, in fact, when I wrote the book, I didn't even, I didn't add any of my personal thoughts I let the Bible actually teach the process because Elijah did five things. They were steps. You have to do them in order. Five things that he did to get out of the cave. Now, the bad thing about this message today is I don't have time uh, to bring you everything that you would need to know about this topic in one message. In fact, I taught it to our church uh, uh, in two messages. And the first one is how we get in the cave of depression um, because uh, I think part of the solution is just knowing what we're doing to get ourselves there sometimes, right? So we need to know that. Um, but also how to get out of the cave of depression. So I had to make a choice of which message to bring you. So I'm, I'm gonna talk to you today about how we get in the cave. Uh, you'll have to either watch our service from last week or get the book to find out the five out. In fact, I had a guy who came last week uh, to my Mother's Day service where I did the second message. He walked up to the front. He goes, Pastor Chris, he's country, country dude. Pastor Chris, man, that message last Sunday was incredible. How you showed us how we got in the cave. He said, man, it resonated in my heart. It resonated in my heart. And I, I just, I could, he says, but I had to come back because you got me in the cave and I got to find out how to get out of here. You know, so I so I'm, <laughs> um, I'm only going to give you this part, uh, to how, how we end up in it. But I do want to um, make two just statements first that I have to say before I move on. Um, and that is uh, that I recognize that not all of it is just something we're doing and, and that you, I just can't say, hey, come let us pray for you and it's over. Uh, there are very real genetic, biological uh, reasons for this. So you can't ignore it. In fact, the youngest of our five kids is on the autism spectrum and he has to have medication to, in his words, put the wires back together. I'll never forget the day he had the first dose. He goes, Dad, for the first time in my life, I can think. 
And um, so I recognize that. I want you to know that and that, that the brain can be sick just like any other part of the body can be sick. And you just gotta recognize that. And, and honestly, we have to stop thinking less of a person who has that part of the body who is sick. Because sometimes we don't think any differently of someone. Yeah, come on. It's true. I mean, you're not thinking differently because I'm wearing glasses. That, that, that part of my body doesn't function perfectly. But if I told you I had mental illness, really, well, wow, you know. But really, that part of your body is just another organ of the body that can be sick. But if we ignore, if we only focus on the biology, which is really what a lot of the world does, and not focus on some of the other things, we can miss some of the real solutions. That depression is not just a malfunction of your mind, it is a signal trying to tell us something. There's, there's, there, there, there are indicators, it's a red flag in many cases that we, can, that we can recognize, hey, we can do something about this. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? The second is, is that um, I would love for the stigma around mental health to be removed. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I would love to see um, that stigma removed. And honestly, I think the church ought to take the lead on being the solution. Amen, everybody? I mean, let's, let's just welcome people who say, look, if you're struggling, this is the way I like to say it, it's okay to not be okay. Now, it's not okay to stay not okay, but it's okay to not be okay, amen everybody, it's okay. So let's, let's welcome them, let's pray for them, and let's, let's help them, we have real solutions. And you've already heard it in the video news, and Pastor Jeff has talked about it, and I'm sure he'll mention it again, that you have a curriculum, a nine-week curriculum called Freedom, that'll help. And what'll happen is you're not gonna be in the room of a bunch of people who've got it all together, you're gonna be in a room full of people who say, man, look, I, you too, I thought I was the only one. And you're gonna, that's the beauty of the local church, is that we can get together and, we can have a safe place where uh, we can find healing in Jesus' name. Come on, say amen right there, all right? So that's good, all right? All right, so we're gonna get into 1 Kings 19. In chapter 18, you had these two huge stories. And then let's pick up the story right there uh, in 1 Kings chapter 19 and in verse one. Um, and it says this. It says, uh, now Ahab, verse one, told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a comment on Facebook to Elijah to say, that's literally what it was, by the way. Uh, all the, his depression came from a threat that he never even heard from the person themselves. It was a comment, it was a comment on Instagram. It was, it was just saying, Selah. I mean, just think on that for a while, all right? Just, I'm just saying, there's power. We're allowing ourselves to be in, infected by some, some simple things that can pollute our soul. I'll come back to that. So after this Facebook post, he said, may the gods deal with me. Um, this is what the post said. Be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, Jezebel said, if I don't make your life like one of those that you just killed. And Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba, I wish I had time to teach that, Beersheba is the place of the oath. It's the place where he said, God, I'll serve you no matter what. Uh, and now he's ready to recant on that commitment to God. Uh, he did a critical error and he left his servant there. He decided to walk alone. And while he went a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, uh, which is a low growing shrub type tree, sat down under it and prayed that he might die I have had enough, Lord, he said, take my life. I am no better 
uh, than my ancestors. Now, uh, psychologists and doctors mostly agree that there are about a nine major causes of depression. Uh, of course, again, there are a lot of different causes, but they fit into those categories. Elijah does at least six. What I'm going to do with this today is show you what they are. I'm going to show you the six that he did, the ones that he was experiencing, just to help you. Because if you can recognize it, half the battle is recognizing it and also avoiding it. And so let me help you with these. The first is I'm just going to call life imbalances, life imbalances. Uh, one of the people that I studied uh, that I really enjoyed the most was a, was a guy named Johan Hari. He wrote a book called Lost Connection. He's not a Christian, but he has some uh, great insight on what we go through. And I'll never forget this one quote that he said. He says, we, we need to start, uh, stop talking so much about chemical imbalances and more about the imbalances in the way we live. Now, hands down, depression will come usually after some of our highest of highs. He had two, these, two great victories, and just moments led, later, he's in this, this dark place. Because a lot of times, after our highest of highs, so after a full week of work or uh, uh, after any kind of victory, we kind of let up, and the devil loves to attack us in those places. For me, that's Sunday nights. If I'm very honest with you, we can have some incredible Sundays, you know, Tens of thousands of people come to church, people saved. And I'm going to tell you, I get home and I start analyzing our Sunday. I found that it's a dangerous place for me. And in fact, if I'm just very honest with you, I am most tempted uh, on Sunday nights. And so I just recognize it now. There's, I have great victory there because my wife knows it. I know it. I recognize it. And I would like to say to you, a lot of us are running so much, we're running so hard um, honestly, at a pace that we were never intended to do. In fact, a guy named Stephen Lardy, who wrote a book, The Depression Cure, uh, he said this, I love this quote. He said, we were never designed for the sedentary, that means staying in one place all day, indoor, socially isolated, fast food laden, sleep deprived, frenzied pace of modern life. We, you can't live through that. But yet that actually describes what most Americans actually live like. They live what I call um, they, they, two handful living. So everything that I can do, I do do. And not everything that is doable is actually sustainable. I'm saying this to somebody here today that you're running at a pace that you can do, but it's, it's too hard. When I was a youth pastor, I spent seven years in Colorado Springs uh, years ago um, when I was a youth pastor. And um, it was fun. I, you know, it was, it was great. It's fun living in that state. You know, you have the slopes available to you all winter long. And we did a, a boatload of skiing. I took van loads of kids up all the time. And it's fun, but it got old really fast because they always hurting something, right? It happens all, all day long. So my routine had to be as a youth pastor, you ride the chairlift up, you ski down, you check the infirmary. You ride the chairlift up, you ski down, you check the infirmary. I mean, so there's always somebody in there like, what, really, man? Come on, bro. You know, so... Um, and so anyway, but I, so I've had lots of discussion with, with paramedics, and, um, and I learned something that I want to pass on to you. I hope you never forget, uh, that 90% of all ski accidents happen in the last hour of the day when two things have become a reality. You're tired, and you're overconfident. So like you're, you're still having fun, but you don't recognize your, your, your muscles are saying, hey, we need to stop. And so they're tired, but you don't recognize it because you're having a whole lot of fun. But when you first get there, if you ever snow ski, when you first come off that first run, man, you're doing the old pizza, you're like, okay, wait a minute. But by the end of the day, you're like Jean-Claude something. You know, you're just, mm, you know, try, jumping everything. Well, that's, <laughs> that's not good. And some of your lifestyles have become that. 
You're tired and you're overconfident. And it's a dangerous place, our life imbalances. Ecclesiastes chapter four says this. It's better, even though you have two hands, it's better to have one handful and have some tranquility, peace of heart, than to have two handfuls and have toil and a chasing after the wind. And so I would encourage some of you, I'm just gonna tell you straight up, all right, you need to slow down. You need to rest better. You need eight hours of sleep. You need to replenish. I don't have time to teach you the solutions, but Elijah did five things that an angel of the Lord directed him to do. When the angel of God visited Elijah, well, you're gonna love this. When the angel visited Elijah, you would think an angel shows up, you're depressed, you wanna die, you wanna you want take your life, you would think he would say things like, you need to pray more, you need to read more, you probably should repent, you need to find an animal and sacrifice it. You know what the angel said to Elijah? You can read it yourself. It's in 1 Kings 19. He said, hey, um, go sleep. Just go, you need, to, you need to go take a nap. <laughs> it's in the Bible. And then when he woke up, he says, all right, um, let's, let's go to P.F. Chang's. Let's get something to eat. It's in the Bible. Not P.F. Chang's, but eating is. <laughs> and then after he ate, you know what the angel said? He said, hey, go sleep again. And then when he slept, he says, hey, wake up. Let's get some more to eat. Y'all, this is the Bible. Can I get a better amen that the prescription is sleep, eat, sleep, eat as a foodie? I just want to say a big amen right there. I just, it, that ministers to me. Amen. Some of y'all need to take a nap today. Like the, your Sabbath isn't a church service. It's supposed to be the whole day. Say amen or oh me, one of the two, right? And then get you, go eat a good meal, a long meal. And maybe go lay down again. In fact, go turn on the golf tournament, take a nap, and you wake up, they're going to be doing the same thing, y'all. Ain't, ain't nothing going to change. <laughs> this is the word of the Lord. I'm, I'm not kidding. Life imbalances. Here's the second one. If I'm just giving you the six things that, that Elijah did, remember the Bible says he left his servant there. Bad mistake. And the second one is isolation and loneliness. Study after study after study. You go look it up yourself. We're the loneliest society in human history. We actually have more ability to connect through technology and we're the least connected in human history. We've lied to ourselves. We've, we've thought a text and a social media account is actually social and it's not. And because of our loneliness, we become more independent and we're more alone in our thoughts and it's a massive problem. Let me remind you, that the first problem in the entire Bible was not sin, it was solitude. In fact, the, the devil doesn't even show up to Genesis chapter three, but in Genesis chapter two, God says, oops, found something that's not good. It's not good for man to be alone. Okay, can I tell you something? It's not good for you to be alone either. Well, look at me, I'm in the room. Yeah, but you can be around people and still have loneliness in your heart. A lot of us are alone in our thoughts. And again, I thank God that when I go through something, I, I'm 58, so I have the luxury of having some age and some, hopefully some maturity, I can call it, but to know that when I get to places like that, man, I pick up the phone and call people like your pastor, and man, and they, they help me. And a lot of you haven't done that. You've alone in your thoughts. You're the only one who knows what you're going through. Okay, listen to me. It's okay to go through what you're going through. It's not okay. It's not okay for you to do it by yourself. In fact, I want to, can I just be bold? Can I say it like I want to say it? Yeah, all right? If you're the only one who knows your secrets, you're in trouble. And you don't need to tell everybody, but you better tell somebody. 
You are not designed to do this by yourself. Romans 12 says, since we are one body in Christ. Come on, read the rest of it out loud together, everybody. We belong to each other and each of us. Come on, turn to the person next to you and say, you need me. Come on, tell them, tell them, tell them. Some of you married couples had more intimacy right there than you had in three months. You're welcome. All right, there you go. <laughs> Here's the third one. Y'all getting anything out of this, everybody? Is this helping so far? All right, let me, it gets better. I'm just telling these are, I didn't make these up. This is just what, this is what studies are showing. The third is the culture of comparison. Comparing ourselves to someone else can put you in a cave of depression so fast. And, that's, and, and now the devil's made sure we have a tool so that we know what everybody had for lunch, breakfast, what they're wearing today. Were we really supposed to know all that information? I'm gonna submit to you, no, we were not. In fact, in the words of Teddy Roosevelt, comparison is the thief of joy. The more you know what somebody else is doing, the less joy and peace you're gonna have in your soul. Could it be that the enemy knew exactly what he was doing when he gave us what we now call social media? I'm actually on an anti-social media campaign, so if you love it, just forgive me. There's another point coming very soon, all right? But I just, I, I've gotten off of it since June. I have a team at the church who does all of mine, and that's a little disappointing for those who thought they were getting my actual post. They're not. But I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Come on, Baptist, y'all know that song. Because <laughs> I don't know what, I, I don't know the recipe of my aunt's bean soup anymore. I am so grateful for that. You know, I don't have to, were you really supposed to know all that? I don't think so. Now, I'm not totally against it. I know some people enjoy it. But you better have what I call selective ignorance. So I'm giving you a gift right now. This is one of the greatest tools, honestly, that's brought more peace to my life than anything else. It's called selective ignorance. It's deciding what you'll never know. <laughs> like you just, I'm just not gonna know that. And I think we've been overly consumed with the news. Uh, we've been over, I'm not saying it's bad, I'm just saying should you be on it all day long? Probably not. If, if peace is your goal, I'm almost certain, certainly not. Should we be on social media four or five hours a day? Probably not. A little selective ignorance. Just I even, I even monitor the amount of time that I, I get caught up in the news, and my preference now is to read it, not watch it. So I can even control, like, like it, it's a lot less commentary in the reading version than it is the, you remember, the, I mean, some of you older folks, I mean, you, you younger folks don't even, this won't even resonate, but you older folks, you know this. I mean, like we had, we, we've, we heard from Walter Cronkite at 5.30 every, every day, and if you missed it, you had to wait till 5.30 the next day. Now we get it 24 hours. Were we really supposed to have it 24 hours? I don't think so. And it's so it's got us in this comparing mode, this messed up mode right now, and as Galatians chapter six says, it says each one should actually only be thinking about our own actions, not the actions of somebody else, and then we can take, and this is a holy pride, in ourselves alone without comparing ourselves to someone else so we can just carry our own load, not thinking about everybody else's all the time. It, and honestly, it's just a happier life. Let me give you the fourth one that's actually tied to the third one. And I'll just tell you before I give it to you, it's massive, okay? So don't, don't push this into the side. It's, this one alone could probably be the cause of most people's uh, unhealthy souls. And it's what uh, psychologists call ruminating 
ruminating. Ruminating is self-talk. Uh, for you ranchers or anybody who's been around uh, farm animals like cows, cows are ruminating animals. A ruminating animal is one who chews the cud. And for those of you who don't know what the cud is, it's when a cow, it's, 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 you can see a cow hadn't put his face to the ground or in a trough for two hours, but he's still chewing. That's because what he swallowed two hours ago, he threw up in his mouth and he's still chewing it. And then they swallow it and they throw it up in their mouth again and they chew it some more. And psychologists say that's exactly what you're doing to yourself. That you take thoughts, you try to process them, you swallow it, but the bad news is you brought it back up and it never comes back up better than you swallowed it. <laughs> it comes back up grosser than you swallowed it. And so do your thoughts. In fact, that's why I use the metaphor of the cave to describe depression, not only because Elijah ended up in one physically. I think the cave, <laughs> if you've ever been in a cave, it's dark, it's disorienting. You know there's a way out, you just don't know where it is, and they gotta be bats in here somewhere. Like a moth can come by, that's a bat. You know what I'm saying? You make up things. That's ruminating. So the more you think about it, you're not getting a better version of the story, you're getting a worse one. And Brian Tracy, a great leadership coach, speaks a lot about depression, said 95% of your emotions are based on how you're talking to yourself. So my question is very simple. What is, what is the narrative you're telling to yourself? If I had 10 minutes to interview you, I could get right to the bottom of probably how you're feeling in your soul based on how you're talking to yourself. Well, the Bible has a lot to say about this. In fact, in Philippians chapter four, the Bible says that whatever is, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. So notice Facebook or Netflix are not on that list. Just notice that with me, all right? If you think about those things, the God of peace will be with you. So the opposite of that is, if those, other, if those MA ratings are on your mind all day long, if everybody else's tragedy is on your mind all day long, if you sit and try to process without allowing somebody else to actually get involved in the processing with you, you're gonna get a regurgitated version, a nasty, acid-filled, nasty version of that story. That's, that's self-talk, that's ruminating. There, there's, there's, a, there's a better way to do that. And I would just encourage you guys that if you're there, just simple, it's very simple, don't get it alone in your thoughts. Let me say it this way, you're your own worst counselor when you're in that condition. Don't counsel yourself. You're, you're not the best one then. Don't listen to you, listen to someone else. Can I hear a better amen, everybody? Just trying to help you. Let me give you two more and we'll be done, all right? This one's huge too, especially coming out of 2020, and that is the inability to process pain in a healthy way. So um, you're gonna have pain. I'm so sorry to tell you that. Um, you're gonna have pain. My, my God, Pastor, be more positive, okay? I'm positive you're gonna have pain, all right? <laughs> Some people think God has obligated himself to make your life happy all the time. Uh, he hasn't. In fact, Jesus in John 16 says, in this world, you will have tribulation. Nobody has that verse in the refrigerator like, that's my verse right there, baby. You know, like, no, no. <laughs> but it is a promise, <laughs> God's plan wasn't to, for, for, to eliminate trouble. His, his plan was for you to overcome trouble. So you're gonna have it, you have to overcome it. So you're gonna have pain, and watch this, and you do, by the way, 
and you do medicate. Everybody does. Now, maybe not with medicine, but you can do it Netflix binging. You could do it, we all, you could do it through substance, substances, both illegal and not legal. Everyone does it. It's, it's happening right now. And there are healthy ways to medicate. And my simple point is, have you found the ones that are healthy? Like, like addiction has gone up like crazy from last year because everybody got in pain and they were by themselves at home and they turned to things that now you're kind of stuck in. Come on, let's just call it what it is. And listen to me, God's got a better way for you. You do not have to live at the mercy of all of that. God has freedom for you. He's come that you might have life and have it to the full. Amen, everybody. That's, that's the, that is, this is the word of the Lord for you. So what do we do about it? My favorite study of all the things that I did, I should have known his work already. I'm embarrassed to tell you that I learned it just this last year, was by a Jewish psychiatrist named Viktor Frankl. He wrote a, a book called Man's Search for Meaning, a bestseller, multi-times over. Um, he actually survived the Holocaust. Mom, dad, brother, sister, uncle, everybody died in the Holocaust. He survives. Um, he went right back to practice afterwards. In fact, he created a clinic with uh, Jewish survivors of the Holocaust in Vienna, Austria. He created a therapy, watch this, that he called logotherapy. I don't know why, but that's what he called it, logotherapy. And logotherapy included three things. Uh, it was that, that uh, you, we have to help people find work that has meaning attached to it. So you need a meaningful work. You have to do it with a community of friends. And you take whatever suffering you've experienced and find the positive in it. That was his therapy. Not a single person committed suicide on his watch. Not a single one. Because he did, he thought he created it. Come on, y'all, that's all in the Bible. I always love it when science thinks they've discovered what God's always been saying. That you need meaningful work. He, in fact, his, his theory was in stark contrast to Freud's theory. Sigmund Freud believed life was all about pleasure. And Frankel said, no, it's not. Life's all about purpose. And if you don't have purpose, you'll dull your life with pleasure. And that's why anybody who's ever had enough money to buy what you actually thought you always wanted, you got to the other side of it and found out it didn't scratch the itch. Now, God's not against pleasure. In fact, I think when you find meaning, pleasure gets attached with it. But if your pursuit is only a pleasure and not meaning, you're gonna end up in the cave of depression. And all of us are gonna face pain like that's gonna happen. What do we do? We find the fact that there's purpose in my pain. And listen to me. Every one of you who's walked through anything difficult or dark, listen to me. Every one of you who've even disqualified yourself from saying, look, I can't serve on the serve team here at Milestone and I can't lead a small group. No, 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 no. You're the most qualified because people would rather receive some from someone who went through it, got to the other side of it, than someone who's never been through it. And that's why the Bible is filled. Yeah, give God praise praise if you really believe that. I believe that. And that's why the Bible is filled with people that God made leaders who were all failures. You know, two-thirds of the New Testament was written by a murderer of Christians. Come on, somebody. You thought you were bad? Well, that's pretty bad. Moses was a murderer, a stutterer. David, an adulterer. What was God trying to say? There's purpose in your pain. There's purpose in your pain. I don't have time to read it to you, but go read 2 Corinthians 1, just the first 10, 11 verses. It's the only place in the Bible where Paul says, I think I need to die. He was, he was so depressed, he was suicidal. He said, I despaired of life. 
But he says, I realize now that my suffering was for your comfort. I went through it so I could lead you out of it. There's purpose in your pain. Here's the last one. The last one um, is the only one that I wrote about that I couldn't find a single doctor, psychologist, or even pastor who said this is one of the causes, and it absolutely is. Absolutely. And that's the fact that you're under a spiritual attack by the devil. So I hate to tell you that, but there's this thing called spiritual warfare. And it's real. Like, well, I don't believe in the devil. That does not make him go away. <laughs> no, it's real. I'm, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have an enemy and his attack, you need to know this, is against, it's not against your body. Your body's perishable. It came from dust, returns to dust. No, no, he's, he's going for much deeper than that. He's the enemy of your soul. That's why 2 Corinthians 10, we overcome the devil by taking thoughts captive. Well, how does that fight the devil? because that's where his attacks are. So you have an enemy of your soul, I'm so sorry to tell you that. The good news is, as your pastor already taught us in, in, right after worship, is that there's power in the name of Jesus, that God has given us authority, but we have to use it. God's given us authority. So you use the name of Jesus, you use the power of the word of God and the cross. But I just want us to wake up to the fact you can't be n not active spiritually. I'm just, you gotta know that or you'll be a casualty. So let me say it this way. What if I told you I found out inside information, okay, that someone has a key to your house and tonight when you go to bed, tonight's the night, they're coming in. And about two or three o'clock in the morning, they're gonna come in, you're gonna be fast asleep. They're going straight to your kids' rooms. They will gag them, duct tape. They're taking them, and that's gonna be the last night you'll ever see them. Now, if that were true, and I told you that, what would you be willing to do tonight? I'm gonna tell you, I'll answer it for you. You ain't going to sleep. In fact, you'll probably stand at the front door, right? And be willing to introduce these people to two of your friends named Smith and Wesson. Right, you'd, you'd be what the Bible calls self-controlled and alert, 1 Peter 5. Be self-controlled and alert. You have an enemy who's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Don't, get, don't be afraid, just resist him standing firm in the faith. Use the name of Jesus like Pastor Jeff taught us. That's what we do. And if you do that, listen to me, listen to me. You can get out of the cave. Hey, listen, church, your life was, was, it, was intended for far better than just coping through your emotional pain. I wish I had time to give you the five things that'll help you out, but listen to me. God's got a way out for you. He does want your body healthy again. That's the first step. He, 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 he wants to have you to have an encounter with God that'll make him so powerful in your lives. He wants you to have a clear identity, a new assignment, and a sustaining relationship to help you through it. That's, that's what we teach. But you're coming out in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person here that you're literally helping them out of the cave of depression. Lord, I thank you for every one of us whose souls are sick. 
God, I pray they leave here with, if, if at very least, God, with hope in their heart that there's a way out and we're gonna take our steps toward it. I speak a blessing over the precious people of Milestone Church, God. Bring health to their bodies, soul, and spirit. With heads bowed and eyes closed, even for those of you who are watching online, I'll ask you to stay still in, in the presence of God right here. And if you're here today and you say, Chris, I am so far from God. I don't even know if I'm a Christian. A, Maybe you've never been saved or you're backslidden or you just don't even know what you are, but, but you really want to know God in a powerful way. You, if I was to explain salvation in a single word, it would be the word surrender. It's just a moment you say, Jesus, take my life. And if that's you, I'd love to pray for you right now. I'm not gonna call you to the front or have you lift your hand. But if that's you, would you whisper these words right there where you are? Just say, Jesus, I need you. I really need you. I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to change me. Come live inside of me. Forgive me. Make me the person you want me to be. Say that to him right now. In fact, make this confession. Be my Lord. I believe you're the son of God. That you died and you rose again. And today, I put my trust in you. Thank you for setting me free. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.